What's going on, TLC? It's good to see you guys. Man, it's, have, it's great to come together on Sunday worship. If you are here on time, press the like button, right? Praise the Lord. Represent. Let everyone know you are here worshiping with us today. I got a good word for you today. If you've been at home all this time and you have been feeling in your heart discontentment, this message is for you. If you're at home at all this time and you're just over the state of the world, over the state of the economy, over the state of your personal um, life, over the state of just how things are going around you, and you're not content, this message is for you. If, you, if you've been at home and you've been recognizing, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not happy because I'm not graduating, I'm not happy because I'm not going to prom, I'm not happy because these things in my life are, are, are just making, this whole crisis is just making my life miserable, this message is for you. Because today, I want to show you guys how to find contentment in the midst of everything. Today, we're going to look at a letter that Paul writes to the church in Philippi. And he's going to tell them that in the middle of him being tortured, shipwrecked, beaten, right, jailed, and even facing death, Paul has learned the secret to be content. He's learned the secret to face anything without losing his heart. See, you and I, we go through a lot of great lengths to find this contentment. You would go through therapy, you pay a lot of money just to find it, but Paul is saying, look, what you're after, what you're trying to buy to get that, I have learned it, Paul said. I have learned the secret of it. Okay? And so my hope today is that we are going through this message, that if you're at home and you're feeling that way, you're just feeling just, it's just not right, things just don't feel right, and you're just kind of like, oh, you know, you know that feeling you have? You're just like, something's wrong, but you, don't, you can't put your finger on what's wrong. You, something's just not, and you're just trying to go through the motion every day. If that's you, this message is for you, okay? Because I got three things to share with you guys today. I'm going to share with you guys that true contentment is a secret, all right? I'm going to share with you that, true con that, that false contentment is always discovered, is always revealed through plenty and want, and that true contentment is learned, Okay, so three things. Let me just read this passage, and as I read this passage for you, I want you to focus on those three words. Secret, plenty, want, and learned. Okay? These are things I want you guys to kind of get out of this passage, so that way we, as we, as we focus on this. Okay? So let me read Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 to 13. Okay? Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 to 13. Bust out your Bibles. Hopefully you have your Bibles there, right, in front of you. If you don't have your Bibles, open up your, uh, uh, your phones, right? Let's worship together, church. Let's read the Word of God. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. The church was concerned about Paul. They cared about Paul. They sent him care packages. They sent him people to help um, take care of him while he was in prison now. But Paul is saying this, but I'm grateful for it. But verse 11, he says, but I'm not saying this because I am in need. Mm -mm. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. So, 
those three points that we're going to try to hit up today, okay? So if you are following me, first thing is true contentment is a secret. Everybody at home say secret. Secret, all right. See, Paul is saying that contentment, the true contentment, it's not an obvious thing. You know it's out there. You know you want it. And you know you want to understand it, but it always, what? It eludes you. It's, also, it's something we all want to know. Like, how do I get contentment? How do I feel it? How do I, how do I grasp it? How do I see it? How do I discover it? But Paul is saying true contentment is not something that you can see. It's not something that you can grasp. It's not something that you can um, discover. True contentment is a secret. And it's a secret that continuously eludes you. That's why it's called a secret. And so Paul is saying, I have learned the secret to it. See, real contentment is not something you just discover out of the blue, right? We try to. We use a lot of things. I ask people all the time, hey, tell me your best experience in life. What is your best experience? I got people saying, PT, when I went to this rave, oh my, it was like heaven on earth. That sounds pretty good. It sounds like an awesome experience. But even that, you know, I always question, I always think about it afterwards, like, but, but they still have to go back over and over. Because why? Even the best experience fades. Even a moment of contentment doesn't last. So that can't be true contentment because we're searching for it over and over. And the fact that you keep running back to it tells you something. It tells you you're wanting true contentment. You know you want true contentment and you're thinking it's, it's being found in here. It's, you're thinking that it can be found in that situation, but it seems to always elude you because it's fun for a moment, but then it disappears. It hides. It's gone. It fades. And you're wondering to yourself, why can't I ever be truly content? I once, a friend of mine once asked me, hey, is uh, Vegas like, is hell like Vegas? Because, you know, they call it Sin City. Because if hell is like Vegas, uh, I don't know why you're witnessing to me, PT, because I'd rather be uh, in hell than heaven. And I was like, hmm, that's a good point. I like Vegas, right? But what I told him is this. I told him, like, actually, Vegas is more like heaven, you know? And if you're at home right now, youth, do not quote me directly on that, okay? Listen to some context before you tell your parents, PT said Vegas is heaven, okay? What I meant when I said Vegas is more like heaven is because I said, when you go to Vegas, what you, it's not the actual thing you do there, right? That's like heaven. It's what you're searching for there. What you're searching for there is a moment of contentment. The, the games you play, the shows you watch, the things you do out there, it's just grasping. Or you're trying to grasp at, see and discover joy, peace, and contentment. And for a moment... You kind of, kind of experience it, and you kind of like it. But what I'm saying is Vegas is like heaven because on, in heaven, it's where you find the ultimate and true contentment. What you're searching for in Vegas, what's constantly eluding you, is there in heaven. So if you're telling me is Vegas closer to hell or heaven, I would say Vegas is closer to heaven. Right? Not the actual thing you do, but the thing you're searching for. You go to Vegas to find it, but you know where it's truly found, right? And actually, you can find it here, this side of heaven, right? But here's the thing about the secret. It takes a long time for you to realize it's a secret. 
True contentment is a secret, but it takes a long time for you to realize it's a secret. It takes a lot of heartaches, doesn't it? You have to have a lot of broken hearts before you begin to realize, I've been trying to grasp at love, I've been trying to discover love, I've been trying to see love, but after all of this, I realize that love is very elusive to me. You start to realize that what I'm looking for is not found in a guy or a girl, in a relationship. It takes a lot of failures, right? You fail a lot, and then you're looking, man, I've been trying so hard to move on up and doing all these things, and I keep failing, and I keep finding myself not content. And you begin to realize, you know what? This contentment, this peace that I'm looking for, it's not really found in whether I get into that school, whether I got the job, whether I uh, was able to make that six-figure uh, six salary, whether I'm able to buy that car or buy that house. I keep failing at it. And it hasn't given me contentment. See, it takes a lot of heartaches, a lot of failures for you to begin to realize what I'm searching for is so elusive. It's, it can't be seen, grasped, or discovered. It takes a lot of disappointment. Personal disappointment, life disappointment for you to kind of come to realize contentment seems to be always eluding me. I hopefully, I'm praying that it only takes one pandemic for you to get it, right? Do you get what I'm saying here? True contentment is a secret. It's elusive. You cannot see it, grasp it, or discover it. I hope that in this season, you would actually be able to learn it. True contentment, okay? Second thing, false contentment is always revealed by the spectrum of plenty and want. Everybody at home say plenty and want. Right. False contentment. This is how you know that you don't actually have true contentment, right? Because of the spectrum of plenty and want. Some of you guys at home are like, that's not true, PT, right? I know exactly what's gonna make me happy. I know exactly what I need in order to feel content. I know exactly what, I, uh, what I'm supposed to search for in order to get myself to feel good. I know what I'm after. And I'm not going to lie to you, if you're, if you're in that state, it's one, it's because you're probably very young, right? Or two, you're very ambitious, or three, you're very mature, or all three at the same time, okay? Or maybe you haven't lived long enough. You know how I know? You know how I know that false contentment, the thing that you think that, oh yeah, if I can just get the looks, if I can just get the job, if I can get the, the significant other, if I can just get the power, I will find significance. I know what I'm after. Do you know how I know that those things are false contentment? Because of the spectrum of plenty and want. And wherever direction you move towards, whether you move towards plenty or you move towards want, you begin to discover that it, what you're searching after is false. It brings you a false sense of contentment. Right? Let's go to one extreme. You say you, we have plenty. Okay? Look, look, look at uh, what Paul is saying, Philippians 4, verse 12. Okay? Paul keeps saying things in the extreme. You understand that? Look, look at verse 12. He says, I know what it is to be in need, one extreme, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether I have plenty or want. Paul is using these two extremes to... Tell the church, I understand that in these extremes, this is how you discover whether the thing that you are searching for is truly what brings you contentment. Because let's say go to the extreme. Let's say you have everything you wanted. 
You go, you go to action, you have everything you ever wanted. People who've gone there, even the, the wise man in the Bible, people who've gone there, what is their ultimate saying? It's a lie. I have everything. I can afford anything. I have everyone around me, and yet I'm not content. Or you can go to the other stream of wanting, being in desperate need, and you realize, man, I'm never gonna get, I'm never gonna be able to achieve, I'm never gonna be able to get there, and you fall into this other depression. Paul is saying, I understand, because contentment, right, false contentment is revealed by plenty or want. And for us, we never actually get to, some of us may never ever get to any of these extremes, and so we live in this illusion that we're okay. As long as I keep moving, I'm going to get it someday. As long as I keep going, I'm going to get it someday. Or you go in the other way, and you're feeling constant depression, constant emptiness, because you're realizing maybe you're nobody, you're disturbed, or you're, 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 you're disappointed, and you start feeling like that, and you're never content. See, as we're going towards one extreme or the other, a couple things begin to show up. You know what shows up? This is how you know that you're living or chasing after false contentment. You begin to blame the things. Let's say you're moving towards plenty. Things are going well. You got the job, you got the girl, you got the husband, you got the guy, you got the figure, you got, you got things are going well for you. But then what happens? You're still not content, are you? And so you blame the guy. It must be because the boyfriend's an idiot, or it must be because the husband's an idiot. Let's get another one, right? Or you blame the job. I'm not fulfilled at this job. This job doesn't really fulfill me. It doesn't make me feel like I'm useful or, 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 or uh, gifted or I'm, I'm using myself fully to my capacity. Let's get another job. Or, right, you know what? This three-bedroom house, it's just not doing it for me, right? Never mind the fact that you grew up in a one-bedroom house with five other people in the home and you slept on the couch, but now for some reason a three-bedroom house is just not doing it for you. I got to get a bigger house. At least five. And so here you are, as you're moving towards plenty, you start blaming things. Is that you? Has that been you? Always wanting to upgrade? Always wanting to cast what you have so you can have something else? Something bigger? Something grander? Thinking that as long as I can just grab that, I'll be better? You see, that's how you know you're chasing after false contentment. That's how you know, because look at your characteristic. You're probably very driven, right? You're probably someone who is, who is unable to commit to anything. You're probably someone who's always changing their minds or running. Is that you? Can I tell you? Right? All that's happening is you're just moving towards one extreme. Or you're on the other extreme. Okay? You're moving towards want. You begin to blame yourself. Things aren't going the way you want them to go. You're not happy. You're, not, you're, you're constantly failing, right? You begin to say what? Something's wrong with me. That's why so-and-so will never love me. Something's wrong with me, right? That's why I get dumped by every single girl I try to um, date because something must be terribly disturbed or wrong with me for that to happen, okay? I'm inadequate. That's why I can't get the job. That's why I keep failing at everything I do. I must be inadequate. You start blaming yourself. So one extreme, you blame the things you have the other extreme, you start blaming yourself. Or, the third thing you do is you blame the universe. You go about and you say something like this. You say like, you know what, I tried love. I put myself out there and I got hurt. So you know what, screw it. I'm not going to 
try chasing after it ever again. You know what? I, I tried to chase after my dreams. And you know, all these people tell me, you know, chase after your dreams, and I never got it. Screw it. Right? I'm done. And where do you find yourself? Hardened. Don't you? Cynical. Telling people, don't be stupid. Right? Grow up. Stop living in a fantasy world. Is that you? Do you find yourself saying these things in your life? Maybe right now you're saying it. Maybe during this pandemic you're saying it. Can I tell you, church, false contentment is always revealed by plenty of want. It comes out that way. That's why Paul uses the extremes to explain it. But here it is. Last point. True contentment is not discovered, it's not seen, it's not grasped. True contentment is learned. Check this out. Philippians 4. He says this. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances. This is coming from a guy, again, who has been shipwrecked, beaten, flogged, put in jail, facing torture, and ultimately going to face death. And in the midst of all of these things, he has said, I have found, or I've, I've learned the secret of contentment. Let me share with you guys today, okay? Something that you must learn. It's not something that you are going to discover. You have to learn this. Five things. Five things. Five applicational points on how you can learn contentment. One. You have to be honest with your idols. You have to unmask these idols that you have. You have to unmask these things that you're chasing after and recognize they are idols in your life. You know what an idol is? An idol is basically something that you deify, something that you worship, something that you feel like, unless I have it, I am worthless and have no value. An idol could be love. It could be money. It could be your job. It could be the things you have. It could be your personal self-pride. An idol is something that you are running after, control that you cannot live without it. And if it's gone, you would lose everything. Your world would crumble. An idol could be your family. It could be a relationship. You have to unmask it. And not say, oh, it's because this is what it is. It's, you have to ask the question, why do I want this so much? You start, in, in the midst of being so by yourself, isolated, start asking the question, why do I constantly watch porn at home right now? Why am I constantly fighting with my spouse? Why am I constantly upset about my job? Why am I so anxious about having uh, uh, the economy going bad? Why? You guys start asking why, not just, oh, this is the problem. Because when you begin to ask why, then you gain deeper down to the real core issue. And the core issue is you have an idol that you're worshiping and you have to call it for what it is, right? See, when, when, two, when, when two people sleep together, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm just sleeping together. It's not, it's not, it's not a thing, right? Why, why are you always getting so, you know, like, caught up on that, PT? You know, okay, we're not married. I get it. So what's up? I could do two things. I can like, oh, you horrible person, you. Like, stop it, you know? Or I can tell you, like, why? Did you ever ask the question why? Because if you push them long enough and hard enough, what you begin to see is, like, it's because I feel loved. Because I feel in control. Because she makes me feel like a man. Or because he makes me feel like I'm loved for the first time. Why? 
those are the issues. Can you unmask them? Can you take it down to its core? I'll give you an example. Like one of my biggest idols I begin to realize in this, I mean, I, I've known it, but I begin to feel it more during this time was, I realized one of my biggest idols is my church. It's the ministry that we have, it's TLC. Okay? You know why? Because I'm preaching to a dang camera right now, and I, I can't imagine what your faces are, how you're responding. Right? And that bothers me. And I was like, why does that bother me? Like, how, like, so I can't see your faces. That should be a good thing. No, actually, it bothers me because if I can't see your faces, I don't feel like I'm in control. Right? For eight years, I've watched you guys when I preach. I've watched how you guys doze off right, in the middle of my messages. And for those people who doze off, I always think to myself, while I'm watching, it's like, okay, maybe they had a really crazy Saturday. Right? I should talk to them about that. Or maybe something's going on in their life. Mental note. Call them up. See how they're doing. Right? Sometimes I will see you guys kind of looking down, looking up real fast, right? And I'm like, they're probably watching a game. Mental note, pray for those fools, right? <laughs> Maybe I see you guys looking down the whole time. They're really staring at their camera, I mean, at their phone, probably on Amazon Prime buying something, right? Like they can't do it before or after, but they have to do it there. Something's wrong, right? Sometimes I see your faces and you look utterly bored. Like, you're just out of your mind, like you're probably at right now, you know, right? And I think, you know what, something's, we got to fix something up. See, at least in that way, I can feel like I'm in some sort of control. <laughs> Pretty your camera, no control. No idea what's happening, okay? I'm just wishing and hoping for the best. And that brought me anxiousness. I was like, oh, why is that? Because one of my biggest idols is you guys, right? My church. We have to unmask them for what they are. If you really want to find contentment, you got to really recognize what are your idols. Ask why. Ask why. Don't ask what it is that you're doing. That doesn't help. Ask why you're doing it. Second thing, you got to preach the gospel to yourself. And I said this so many times. If you've been at this church, you know it. You got to preach the gospel to yourself. What am I saying when I say preach the gospel? It's what Jesus has done that has given me value. Not what I have, not what I hold, not what I'm searching, not what I'm grasping for, not what I'm running towards, is what Jesus has done for me that has given me my value and my worth. That you are justified, no longer condemned. That you are not just a slave or a servant, you are a son and daughter of the living God. That in the story that He is writing for you, the Holy Spirit comes along and lives with you and works with you. And the Bible says that even in every situation, He works it out for the good. Do you realize that? That if you preach the gospel for yourself, you begin to realize something. That when things are bad, it's going to be for your good. When things are good, it's for your good. And, when things, and, and in the future, there are greater things to come. It's like a win-win-win situation. But you got to preach the gospel to yourself every day. You can't forget what He has done for you. You can't forget Him on the cross. You can't forget that He has died to give you, you your value and your worth. You are somebody. Not because you have plenty or not because you have nothing. You are somebody because He has called you somebody. He has called you His son. Right? You know, I was... Um, I was playing this VBI, I was knighting my son, right? You know, I was giving him a knight, knighthood as a, you know, rise, knight, sir, Seth, whatever. And it's funny because he was like, oh, I thought only, you know, royalty can knight you. I said, dude, I am royalty. I'm the son of the living God, fool. Now rise, right? You got to know who you are. Thirdly, you got to practice the discipline of icing. That's why I said, everyone's at home said icing. 
That's right. Icing. What is it? That's exactly it. It's the thing you put on the cake, right? You got to practice that discipline. You know what that means? To practice the discipline of icing? You like icing, right? It's delicious on a cake, doesn't it? It's awesome on a cake. It's wonderful on a cake. But, you know, if you have it, it's good. Some cakes don't have it. It's fine, okay? Icing is like this. If you get what you want, and those things are not bad. If you enjoy things, if you, if you enjoy, you know, um, there are things that you, you're allowed to enjoy. I'm not saying you're not allowed to enjoy anything, right? There are things you can enjoy, but don't make it into your God. Don't make it into your idol. But as you enjoy them, you have them. You're like, great, this is awesome. But it's just icing. That's it. It's just icing. And when you lose them, you're like, that was sad. That sucked. But it's just, that's right, icing. It's just icing. And you got to practice that discipline of realizing these things are just icing. It's great that I have it. I got my promotion. Woohoo! I'm great. You know? Awesome. But remember, it's just icing. Right? So-and-so says she loves me. Yay! Woohoo! I'm good. Right? That's awesome. But it's just icing. Okay? You lost your job because of this thing. Man, that sucks. Hey, but it's still just what? Icing. It's just icing. You know? So-and-so left you. Mm, that really sucks. But in the end of it all, it's just what? It's just icing. It's okay. It's just icing. God is my staple. God is my nourishment. God is what gives me my nutrients. God is what brings me health and strength, not icing. And so practice the discipline of icing. Fourthly, learn communion with God. Learn communion with God. Okay? We've been doing Word of the Week. I know you guys love Word of the Week. I know you guys have been clicking on that, like, just religiously. You just cannot wait for Wednesday at 8 p.m. for it to come out so that you can watch me, Brother Evan, right, giving you guys the Word of the Week. But you know why we're doing it? It's not because I got nothing else to do with my life. It's because during this quarantine, we want for you guys to be able to level up so that you can actually practice your communion with God. What have we been telling you to do, right? Concentrate on prayer, we're telling you to have a posture of gratefulness. We're telling you to go into solitude. We're telling you to practice lamenting, fasting. We're telling you to study, read, and write. We're telling you to do what? Memorize the Bible. All of that is to do what? It's to practice your communion with God. Some of you are saying, well, Peter, I pray. I don't feel anything. Then keep praying. There must be something more. You got to meditate into it. You got to get deep into that. You got to get deep into it until you experience Him in your heart. You guys get me? You got to learn communion with God. And then lastly, you got to learn to obey. This is the hardest one for a lot of you guys. Because a lot of you guys, we, we give lip service to like, yeah, yeah, I love Jesus. Jesus is my man, you know. I'll follow Him. But then the moment when you are called to obey what He speaks into your life, when it goes against what you are personally feeling, you don't trust that. And so how can you say that I am a follower of Jesus and I trust Him and not actually obey Him? To trust is actually to obey. To trust is to put yourself in a situation and say, you know what, I don't understand, but I know that you know better. So I will trust you. There are moments that you just have to obey. And when you do these things, when you've learned these things, when you've learned to unmask your idols, saying, what is it? Why is it that this is controlling me? Why is it that I'm constantly running back to it? Why is it that I feel so lost if I don't have this? When you begin to understand why, and you begin to preach the gospel to yourself, and you begin to uh, practice the discipline of icing, focus on that, 
that God is my staple, not these things. When you begin to learn communion with God, working on that day in and day out, when you begin to practice obedience, you, then you know what? Then you got verse 13. I can do all things in Him who gives me strength, through Him who gives me strength. This verse has been misquoted so many times. It is not about I can lift up a building because He gives me strength. That's wrong interpretation. What Paul is saying here is that in every situation, I can get through it because why? Because I have learned the secret of true contentment. In every situation, whether I have plenty or whether I have want, whether I'm needy or whether I have plenty, whether I'm hungry or well-fed, I can get through every situation because of Him. Because I have learned the secret of contentment. And that's my prayer for you as you're going through this quarantine. As you're just restless. As you're just trying to get through it. Some of you guys are not even doing anything. You're just sitting there and trying to will your way through it. Hoping and praying that this ends pretty soon. And you've wasted, what, six weeks already? Six weeks? You could have done so many things in six weeks. True contentment is learned. And so I pray in this season, you will truly learn this. Let's pray.